Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Chronicles, not Corinthians. Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 24. 2 Chronicles chapter 24. There is a public library in Tecumseh, Michigan. How many people have visited it? We all need to go to the library more. Well, don't mess with the librarian there, okay? A year ago, a family took out the book, A Half Full of Seuss. And after two weeks, they didn't return it. So they got a notice from the library there. You're late on returning your book. They then began to look for the book, and after three weeks of emails and notes came in and said, we're sorry, we can't find the book anywhere. We seem to have lost it, so we'd like to pay for it. So the librarian told them, that's fine. You can pay for the book. It costs whatever amount of money, eight bucks or something like that, but you owe $33.50 for not having the book back on time, and there's been charges each week that have added up. And they said, well, that's ridiculous. We're not paying that. We've been looking for a lost book. We're not, we refuse to pay it. She then called the police. The police come and show up and uh, a court case ensues. And by the court ca- time the court case is over, they say there are now $500 of back fees for the book, plus 90 days in jail, plus the price of the book. So the librarian being a nice person said, if all they do is pay the $500 in fine and the book, then I'll say it's okay. The family agreed. So they got paid $500 plus $8 for a half full of Seuss. So don't mess with the librarian to come to Mississippi because that lady is dedicated. She is committed. She is going to go all the way no matter what. And that's what we see over in our scripture passage, 2 Chronicles chapter 24, beginning with verse 4. Now, I'm going to take about two minutes here and really confuse you. I'm going to give you the historical background that leads up to our scripture. And uh, so uh, before your eyes glaze over, uh, it is quite a National Enquirer story uh, that we're going to have here. Jehoshaphat was a great king of Israel. Uh, Anybody know what he's famous for? Jumping, that's right. Great jumping Jehoshaphat. So uh, that's what he, you know, that's what we know about him or something like that. Well, he was a very good king. When he dies, his son Jehoram becomes king. Jehoram was 32 years old. He didn't feel uh, that he had the authority his dad did. And so he was afraid that his brothers, brothers might try to usurp his throne. So the first thing he does is have everybody in his family put to death. So nobody can challenge the throne but him. He's a very wicked young man. He only rules for eight years, gets sick, and he dies. His brother Ahaziah then becomes king. Ahaziah, also a very wicked king. Uh, He only rules for one year because he's killed in battle, uh, in a battle that takes place. Then his grandmother, Athaliah, kills everybody in his family so she can become the queen. And so she kills everyone except one young man by the name of Joash, who the high priest hides uh, in the temple. And after seven years, a coup is held, and he becomes the new king of Israel. 
This is sometimes later. He's become an adult, and that's where our scripture picks up. We're over in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 24, beginning with verse 4. And the first thing we see is this. Even at church, we can fall into business as usual. Even doing the work of God, sometimes you just go through the motions. You don't see the big picture, and it's just business as usual. Look down to chapter 24, verse 4. Now, sometimes later, that's sometimes after he became king, he became king at seven years of age, uh, Joash decided to restore the temple of the Lord. He called together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go to the towns of Judah, collect the money due annually from all of Israel to repair the temple of your God. Go do it now. But the Levites did not act at once. And so what we see here uh, is that Joash, now that he's become king, now that he's an adult, he says, okay, the temple's in disrepair. For 16 years now, we've had wicked kings. Uh, They've taken things out of the temple. They've destroyed the temple. As a matter of fact, look down to verse 7. Now the sons of that wicked woman, Athaliah, had broken into the temple of God and used all of its sacred objects to worship Baal. So the temple's been totally ransacked. Everything's been taken out of it. It's in total disrepair. And so Joash decides, I want to redo the temple. And so he sends the Levites out and he says, go throughout, uh, collect the temple tax, and, uh, and then we will uh, begin to rebuild the temple. Now, in the Old Testament, we're told the temple tax was a half a shekel a half a shekel a year. And the point of the temple tax was to keep the upkeep of the tabernacle or later the temple. Uh, Today, that's about $500 a year. So uh, that would be every year people would pay 500 bucks and the money would go just to keep up the temple. Uh, uh, You know, they had to pay the light bill and the cable bill and things like that, you know. And uh, so that was for the upkeep uh, of the tabernacle. And that's what people were expected to do. But look at the very last verse we read, the very end uh, of verse 5. But the Levites did not act at once. And so what we see here is that he has sent them out. He's told them to collect this temple tax, and yet they do not act at once. So the question is, why didn't they do it? Why didn't they go out and do what the king said? As a matter of fact, the words before they didn't act at once are what? Uh, Joash says to them, go do it now. So he has an urgency. Uh, This is something that needs to be done. The temple of the Lord's been in disrepair for 16 years, or or more than that. He's been king for several years now, you know, for more than 20 years. Go and do something about it, but they don't act at once. And the reason I believe they didn't act at once is they didn't see the sense of urgency. Well, it's been like this for two decades. What's it going to matter? And they didn't see the big point of what was going on here. So they're kind of missing it all. They're just going through business as usual. Uh, they don't want to be sidetracked uh, just because the king's gotten a wild hair or something. And in the same way, a lot of times at churches today, we just go through the motions. As a matter of fact, I would say more churches than not do not come before people with a compelling vision of what they are trying to do. We just go through uh, our week every day. And so uh, we're going to come in. We're going to have a worship service. You're going to sing a few songs. You're going to hear me sing. We'll have some Sunday school classes afterwards, and we'll come back on Wednesday. And our goal is, well, for Wednesday, I need to get a Bible study ready, and then I need to get a sermon for next Sunday. But there's no overarching vision. There's no plan. There's no purpose behind what we're doing than just the normal things we ever do. And so people tend to fall into a complacency. And they just begin to say, well, we're just kind of going through the motions. We know what to expect. And, and our church is good if I was entertained by the music. The preacher said something good if our softball team wins a few games. 
but there's no overriding vision, no overriding purpose of what we are trying to achieve. And that's exactly what is going on uh, in Jerusalem at this time. Uh, even though they've been sent out with an urgency, they don't go and do it. It would be no different what Joash did here than if I stood up on Sunday morning and gave a very passionate sermon and said, let's go win Louisville for Christ. And everybody said, man, that was a good sermon. Let's go to lunch. And then next week you come back and you expect to hear something else. Just because you urgently say something doesn't mean that it's going to be followed through on. And that's what's going on in our scripture here. That brings us to the next thing that we see. The people responded gladly and with excitement when they had a vision about what was going to be accomplished. So when they get a vision here of what's going to be accomplished, they respond in a way that they hadn't before. Uh, As a matter of fact, they hadn't been following through. But when they get the vision, they do respond. Look down uh, to verse 6 of our scripture passage, down to verse 6. Therefore, the king summoned Jehoiada, and he's the, the high priest, And he said to him, why haven't you required the Levites to bring in from Judah and Jerusalem the tax imposed by Moses, uh, the servant of the Lord, and by authority of Israel for the tent of the testimony? So he calls him in and he basically says, why haven't you done this? Why isn't it going on? Let's get this done. And so they have a, a meeting and they decide what they're going to do about it, how they're going to proceed. And let's see what happens. The first thing they do that's very, very important is that they sell vision and purpose. Look at verse 9. A proclamation was issued in Judah and Jerusalem that they should bring to the Lord the tax that Moses, the servant of God, had required of Israel in the desert. And all the officials and all the people brought their contributions gladly, dropping them into the chest until it was full. So what he does is he sends out a proclamation throughout Israel. And he says, remember in the law of God, remember in the law of Moses, Moses said to bring this half shekel, the temple tax, you need to bring that half shekel, but I'm going to tell you why. Because for the last 20 years, the temple's been in disrepair. Because for the last 20 years, the temple uh, has not been taken care of. And we want to restore the temple so that the people of God may worship as they always had. So this proclamation, it doesn't say this directly, but I'm sure the proclamation said more than give us your money. I'm sure the proclamation was selling, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. And then we're told the people responded gladly to that. Because when people understand what's going on and what the vision and purpose is, people will respond to that. And that's what they're doing here. We want to repair the temple. We want to get it back to its former glory. We want to have a good place to go and worship. And so the people begin to respond uh, when that proclamation was made and they understood what was going on. Uh, it's no different than uh, on an average Sunday morning, we pass the offering plate. And so we pass the offering plate and you put stuff in. If on one Sunday morning there was somebody that got up and clearly explained what's going on and what's happening and what is going to be used for, people would respond in a different way than if you're just going through the motions. And so when vision was sold, people responded. Proverbs 29:18 says that without a vision, the people perish. And that's what churches need more than anything else is a vision. Why are we doing what we're doing? And I believe really the vision and purpose of the church is very, very simple. It is when we we are to go out into the world, make disciples for Jesus Christ, bring them in, make them a family, teach them, love them, train them, and send them back out to make a difference again. So it's just a circle. We, We bring people in, we build them up, we send them out. 
We bring people in, we build them up, we send them out. Because the work of the church is not done in this building. The work of the church is done out there. And that's what we've got to get people to see. It's not about running programs. It's not about the building. It's about what are we doing to do those simple things. Bring people in who need to know Jesus Christ. Build those people up and make them the disciples of Christ they need to be. And send them back out to make a difference, a positive difference in the world in which we live. So Joash sells the vision, and we're told that the people respond gladly in verse 10. So the first thing he did was he sold vision. The second thing he did is he made it possible and easy for them to fulfill the vision. He gave them an an easy way to fulfill the vision he was talking about. What did he do? Look at verse 8. At the king's command, a chest was placed outside of the gate of the temple of the Lord. So this proclamation is made, bring your tax. Uh, This box is set right outside the temple. So whenever anybody came in to worship, they are instantly reminded, remember the temple tax, see how the, the condition the temple's in, and then put something in it when you go out to help repair the temple. So it made it easy. It was right there. It was right in front of people. And as they went into worship, they were reminded of it. So he's now sold a vision, and he's made an easy way for them to accomplish the vision that was there. And on those two things, everything then began to flow, and we're told the people respond, and they respond in a very good way. Look at verse 11. Whenever the chest was brought in by the Levites to the king's office, they saw that there was a large amount of money. The royal secretary and the officer of the chief priest would come and empty the chest and carry it back to its place They did this regularly, and they collected a great amount of money. That brings us to the next thing that we see. The work of the construction of the temple, the rebuilding of the temple, was not done until money was raised. So what they did was this. They only did work as they had money. They didn't just go out and say, okay, let's totally redo the temple. But as money came in, they redid the temple. Keep reading Uh, in our scripture passage down to verse 12. The king and Jehoiada gave the the money to the men who carried out the work required for the temple of the Lord. They then hired masons and carpenters to restore the Lord's temple and also workers in iron and bronze to repair the temple. The men in charge of the work were diligent. The repairs progressed under them and they rebuilt the temple of the Lord according to its original design and they reinforced it. So as the money came in, they did the work. How was that an encouragement to the people? It was an encouragement to the people because they knew this. This is being done in a sound financial way. As a matter of fact, when the money came in, uh, we're told that they had a, a way of handling it. The royal secretary and the chief priest came together. They counted what was there. They turned it over to the king and the high priest. As the money came in, they then did the work of the temple. So... Very important here. It was the people understood what was going on. They knew financially it was being handled well. And uh, everything began to progress, we're told, from that. Churches today carry an enormous amount of debt. As a matter of fact, I was reading that some churches' budgets are up to 65% of their budget is debt. 
65% of their budget's debt. Now, that's simply unsustainable. There have been a couple of mega churches uh, in the United States that have closed because of too much debt. I was just reading uh, about one in Charlotte, North Carolina. I won't name the name of the church. Uh, you can Google it and find it out, mega church that, that was foreclosed upon. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, uh, that church, uh, what happened was they built buildings of almost uh, uh, $50 million dollars. Uh, worth of buildings. They were paying uh, almost a million dollars a month in debt relief, and the whole church has gone bankrupt. They're running 8,000 people on Sunday morning and can't pay their bills. And uh, so the church fell apart. That's not something you see going on here, uh, but there's very sound financial policies and what's going on, and that's helping them relieve uh, the work and get the people encouraged because they know the money is being used wisely. And that brings us to the next thing that we see. When the people saw this, they had a vision. They understood what was going on. They saw the money was being reliably taken care of. And they saw the work progressing. They saw things are actually being done. Then the people give to the extent that they give more than is needed. And there's actually stuff left over. Look down to verse 14. When they had finished... When all of the work of the temple is, is done, when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money to the king and Jehoiada, and with it were made all of the articles for the temples, articles for the service for the burnt offerings, and dishes and objects of gold and silver. So they not only were able to redo the temple, uh, they, did, they then supplied all of the things that were needed to worship in the temple, uh, from, from uh, uh, you know, candlesticks to tables to whatever was needed because all the extra money was there because the people understood what they were doing and they responded gladly. And the end result is then found at the end of verse 14. As long as Jehoiada lived, burnt offerings were presented continually in the temple of the Lord. The end result was that God was glorified, God was worshipped, and, the, and the, uh, the worship of God began anew and continued in the temple as long as Jehoiada was alive. So God was glorified. Now, while we've talked about all of this this morning, I find it very interesting. We've talked about it all because as a church... We are now progressing upon something that is very similar than what they're doing here. But we have to understand the purpose behind what we're doing. Everybody probably knows the three projects we're doing. We're putting in parking over here. Bought two houses, going to put in 177 new parking spots and a new way in. We're doing an entire new modern preschool wing that will be safe and secure. And we're going to update the sanctuary uh, that, that we're in here right now. But why are we doing what we're doing? And it's really very important. We talked a couple of weeks ago that within three miles of this church, there are over 100,000 people who do not go to church anywhere and have no relationship with the church. Over 100,000 people within three miles. Now, what's that mean? It meant that if every church within three miles of here doubled in size, including ours, there would still be about uh, 92,000 people who weren't going to church anywhere. Every church here could double in size and we wouldn't even make a dent in what's going on. We are surrounded by people who need Jesus Christ. And the question is, what are we going to do to get those people into a relationship with Christ and to help them see the need that is in their life? 
And one of the things that we have to do is we have to do ministry right here on this campus. We're not talking about a mission church uh, somewhere else. We're talking about right here where we are within three miles, 100,000 people need Jesus Christ. What are we going to do about it? Right now we have a parking issue. We do not have adequate parking. Now you didn't notice it. Do you know why you didn't notice it? Because you come to the first service and like contemporary music. So we figured if you come to the first service, you should have ample parking. Right? Right, exactly, exactly. No, because our parking problem comes as the two, church, as the two services uh, connect. So right between the end of this service and the beginning of the next service, that's our parking problem. As a matter of fact, we have done research after research after research. You know what we found out? We are at 92% of capacity in our parking lot. On some Sundays, we're at zero. But on, on most Sundays, we're at 92% capacity. Now, stats say after 80%, people stop coming because they figure there's nowhere to park. We're at 92%, and that's with 50 cars parked off the lot on an average Sunday morning. So if we brought those cars on the lot, we'd be at 102% of parking on a Sunday morning. So there's no way you can get more people in here. So we're adding 177 new parking spots so that we can meet the need that is in this community and help our church grow. Another thing that we found that people need, especially people with young families, is that preschool facilities are something that is crucial. They've got to know my child is safe. They're in a modern, clean uh, facility. And we're going to have a state-of-the-art modern preschool facility for people. And then the renovation of the sanctuary. You probably never noticed the sanctuary was getting older and a little bit darker. Uh, I'm sure that none of you have noticed that. You might not have noticed the pew you're sitting in is cracking and about to fall apart. Uh, You know, unless you leaned back one Sunday morning and thought, I'm going to the next row or or something like that, you know. And then we just think that you were in the first service and got spirit or something like that, you know. And, uh, but, but, you know, all of those things we're doing for a reason And that is because we want to reach this community for Christ. But the bigger picture is this. I don't want to sell a vision to you of a parking lot. I want to sell the vision of what our church is trying to accomplish, and that is to reach this community for Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to be doing more than anything else. And hopefully this will be a way for us to step out and do that. So we've gone through a long process here. And uh, part of this process uh, is culminating today. We really only have one other Sunday that we're going to talk about any of this stuff. Uh, We're actually at the point this morning where we are going to be giving our commitments uh, that, that we have made to the Lord on this Commitment Sunday. If you are here and you've been a part of the leadership team uh, for the capital campaign in any way, uh, if you've been on any of those committees, served in any of those ways, uh, or if you're a member of the staff here at Westport Road Baptist Church, you'll know that because we give you a paycheck. Okay, so that's how, that's how you'll figure that one out. Uh, it, it, so if you're on staff or you're on the leadership team, would you come down front here uh, for, for just a, a second? They have a special song that they want to present to you. <laughs> Stacy, if you would, if you'd start right there. <laughs> yeah, there's three Stacys. Yeah, well, all the Stacys got nervous here when, <laughs> when I said that. This has been the leadership team. Uh, the group of people that you see here, and the group of people that will be here in, in the second service. I guess about 
60, 70 people total. Uh, this group of people uh, have been working for about three months. They've been in meeting after meeting. Uh, they've gone to dozens of home groups. Uh, they've been involved in everything from the prayer vigil on. And this group of people you see standing here uh, have among themselves already committed uh, $1 million uh, to our capital campaign. And so I just want to, want to thank them. So let's pick out people for the second million. Let's see here. Get them come up. Now, what we want to do uh, now is we're going to have a special prayer. And uh, after the prayer, we're going to go into a time of invitation. And during this invitation, there's several things that I want you to think about. One, I want you to pray, whether you, whether you come forward or not, just pray that our church be a light in this community and reach this community for Christ. So pray that. A second thing, uh, if you have a commitment card, uh, we would encourage you to come and bring it forward. Just place it at the altar. And when you do, do more than place it. Say a little prayer when you're up there about what, why you're doing it. Uh, you're not doing it because it's Commitment Sunday. What are you trying to accomplish uh, through your commitment? What do you hope to see done? And say that prayer right here in the altar before God, and then you can go back and, and be seated. During this time, we're, we're in our general invitation as well. And so uh, if you've got prayer concerns, prayer needs, we'll have ministers on both sides uh, that will be glad to pray with you at this time. Uh, this will be a time for you to come and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing. Uh, I want to reach this community for Christ. I want to be a part of it. And the most important decision you could ever make is to come down this aisle and say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. Because the truth of the matter is the way reason people are going to be laying cards here isn't so that we can have a bigger parking lot. It's so people will come down and make that very commitment. And what a great Sunday that would be. So this is going to be our time. We're going to have a prayer. And then uh, you all can go back and, and, uh, and be seated. Uh, this was just the group photo time that, that, uh, that we needed. And uh, then we'll go into our invitation. And as we do, uh, you respond in any way. But this will be the time as well to bring those commitment cards. Let's have a prayer. Father, over the last three months, there's been a lot of work done that a lot of people haven't even seen. And so, Lord, we stand before you now and we pray for your vision and your purpose. And we just pray that this church, we become a lighthouse to this community, that for the hurts and the needs, uh, that for people who are hungry, that for people who are struggling, that this church become a light that can help give them uh, the love and the care that they need. I thank you for the commitment of the people that are here. I thank you, uh, Father, for the commitment uh, of this church already. What, what a great uh, few months it's already been. And Father, we look forward to all that you're going to do. Use this church to reach this community. In Jesus' name, amen.
you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.